Hi and welcome to the deep dive. What does that even mean? Well, it means that we do a deep dive into the magazine. So we recently released issue three and we are going to be going through the articles with the editor and asking her some questions about what inspired the article or what was left out of the article because it wouldn't fit in the pages. And we're going to have a nice informal conversation about it. So if you are familiar with our content you'll know that our podcasts are just a nice conversation um something for easy listening if it's supposed to be uh something with takeaways and training where you can make notes then we would do a webinar about it and um, we would put on events whereas this is supposed to be something just quite relaxed quite informal something to listen to on the way to work maybe um but yeah we've got joe right with us so what do you know joe I know that we're going to cover a lot of great articles. Um, issue three, again, has had some great feedback. Um, particular articles include self-awareness. Um, the neuroscience articles I've had feedback on about emotional contagion, about Apple, you know, what what did Apple do to become the first trillion dollar organisation? So there's lots. And we've got a, a very meaty article about how spec savers have driven a coaching culture. So there's lots of great stuff. And there was also um, a book giveaway by our very own Professor Damien Hughes. So it's gone down very well as issue three. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's go into it then. So you mentioned something about self-awareness. Now, I love the headline of this article about is self-awareness the silver bullet for organisational success? Um, I was, I've been raised, trained, I've been mentored on there's no such thing as a silver bullet. It's an aggregate of small gains. It's doing a hundred things well, really, you know, but maybe this is a silver bullet because it seems pretty fundamental and transformational. So what, what are we supposed to take from this? Yeah, this article is um, is really about not just individuals having self-awareness, it's organisational awareness. So actually driving a culture of more and more people um, being aware of their, their behaviours, their impacts, getting under the skin of what's um, going on in people's minds, their thoughts, their feelings, that are driving their day in and day out behaviors and actually roll that up into teams, roll that up into organization from a system perspective. Actually, if you have a highly aware organization on you know the impact they're having, the fact that they can give and receive feedback openly and honestly, actually, this is um, you know a fantastic way to move forward because the opposite of this is an organization that is um, blissfully ignorant, probably losing employees, um, and this, whereas an organisation that is aware of what they're doing day in and day out, and not just what they're doing, but how they're being, can make a huge impact. And I've already had feedback about this article that it was a very timely article. Um, for, you know, I've had feedback from a, a HR director. She was sat with a CEO talking about this very topic, and this landed on her doormat. I um, I kind of wanted to do a. a a blog or a twitter account once that's just called these two types of people in the world because nearly every day i kind of see these binary these two types of people in the world and there's either people who are self-aware or people who are not right and you can kind of tell when you meet someone or you give feedback or you can you they're quite obviously good at picking up their weaknesses or their strengths and then playing to them or fixing them and it, it, it is it the is it the foundation of all change? Is it the starting point for all change for people to actually get that self-awareness first? Is there any other way for it to happen? And I think that it's so, so fundamental to people improving, organisations improving, that it it's not talked about enough. Like, 
<laughs> I think it is the, the foundation. You think about this as the absolute bedrock of of an organisation to have a level of awareness of, and it is about impact. It is about you know behaviours. Um, so actually, the more and but it's also therefore encouraging a culture of feedback. Um, and and this isn't just about you know feedback coming top down. This is the way as well. This is about a culture of feedback in the moment all around and actually the only way that people can become really aware is through feedback from other people and then recognizing it in themselves and working on that and improving and get a culture of that wow how impactful that is well that's cool i suppose feedback doesn't have to always come from people right it could be definitely through kpis or stats or through um it could be well, I mean, we, we do a lot to do with psychometric tests, which is not people giving you feedback, but you can get feedback from many different sources. It's not always people. Yeah, so obviously you, feedback from people is very powerful, but yeah, you can, you've just said it, psychometric tests, um, diagnostic tools. Um, I think the key to those are actually the so what. It's not just that this is the what, this is the, the result. It's the so what and now what. What are we going to do with this information? How can we make a difference in the organisation now we have this information? Rather than just making it something that has been done, a box has been ticked, actually the information in there, the data in there is really powerful. So it is the silver bullet? I think it's one of the silver bullets. <laughs> is that allowed? Or you'll have multiple bullets. Cool. Well, I guess so. You can have a six shooter. I don't know. <laughs> Silver bullets are for shooting werewolves, right? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Well, so we're going to skip the next one and come back to it. Um, so we featured Apple this time around, and <laughs> I read a lot of business books, and I'm still waiting to find one that doesn't mention Apple. Here we are. We've featured Apple in the magazine. We've done the cliche, but with worthy reason, right? These guys have done something no one else has done, well, at the time of writing. At the time, a trillion dollar success. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal, and and it it goes back. The article talks about how, um, the you know the the company was on the verge of bankruptcy, and this was back in the day. And they brought Steve Jobs. Jobs had been sacked. They brought him back in, and they started to really uncover, go back to basics through asking some fantastic, simple coaching questions about the organization so right at the very top of the organizations why do we exist what's this even about let's get to the root of um you know driving the organization through having a growth mindset there was a a culture of um not fearing failure having a go creativity innovation and i guess the rest is history because we know the story from what i know about apple Mm -hmm. i would have thought they were the opposite of coaching culture. They they had a, this culture of fear of Steve Jobs' wrath and Steve Jobs is always having a go. Um, there's also this culture of perfectionism that nothing was ever good enough and, and I guess everybody working for Apple would have felt imposter syndrome. I always thought of Apple as being like a horrible culture for what do I know? I don't work there. So, so specifically we're here, we're, we're really talking about their ability to ask questions, I guess. Definitely. And actually, if you're reading the article, there is a little bit here about what's not working. What could we do differently? Is this the very best you can do? Now, you could say that in the, you know, you could say that in a couple of ways. Is this the very best you can do? Because I'm implying it's not. Or actually, I've got a great opportunity to 
drive you to push you hard right your comfort zone let's do more let's be more um you can take it i suppose one or two ways there but i yeah. I, I think our article has been written def- definitely from the positive of the coaching culture side well i suppose when it comes to th- thinking bigger i suppose this is the thing right if you're in in an industry where or an organization or an industry where innovation is the the key then you need to ask new questions if you're in an industry where actually it's a, it's, it's not about breaking the rules it is about doing your job well and sustaining so your strategy and your culture are unique to your organization but i suppose what apple are trying to achieve where they are trying to be make a dent in the universe you have to do something that no one's ever done before then it is about big ambitious questions absolutely 100 percent. it is about asking those great questions and asking the right questions at the right time and you know this is fundamentally about a coaching culture this is all about stretching comfort zones about pushing people more and more in you know in a good way um not into a stress zone but into a you know how can i be more and do more and i think you so, know so like i said i think sometimes it it winds me up that we talk about apple so much but I begged you to feature this company. We've got a little side note about a company called Quest, which probably no one's heard of in the US. They might have, but they make, what, protein bars, nutritional bars. One thing that struck me about Quest was them, they list out their corporate values or their mm-hmm. company principles, and they absolutely blew me away. I just cannot believe the the attitude of the founders have created this place for people to achieve their own goals and we've done a little side note but i would implore anybody to look up the company quest and find out about what they've done because it is absolutely brilliant i think we're going to feature this in a bigger article in the future obviously it is a side note because it felt it felt we couldn't ignore it but the quest core beliefs acquiring new skills um kind of you can just grow all the time see beyond your job description become the best version of yourself it's safe to make mistakes that's back to the organizational growth mindset that we talk of i think we featured something like eight out of the 21 <laughs> it's it's unbelievable like how cool their corporate values yes. are and i'd love to know if they live up to them i do know like i follow the founders um podcast and channel and i think i do believe they do but it is for me they they've put textbook coaching culture textbook uh, growth mindset of an organization so i'm glad it got a little feature but i think yeah in the future we got to, to maybe talk about them a bit more and um also you know it's quite easy for us to look at the apples of the world but actually it's quite nice to be able yeah. to recognize other co- companies who are doing their bit and that's where i think co- coffee with a coach allows us to talk to real people doing real things who we might bump into at the next corporate event rather than the apples of the world and um, you met with Brian Shaw, right? I met with Brian. Um, Brian and I have known each other for many, many years. And Brian and I share a huge passion for coaching. Um, he, um, I suppose, has coaching day in and day out in his life because his um, his dad is um, an experienced coach. And, and Brian brought this very much into Britvic and role modelled it in all sorts of different roles. And we talked about, um, you know, how can you best get people engaged in coaching, and he talked again about starting with the why, you know, getting people to really connect with, you know, what is going on in the organization, what why are they there, what what, what is it all about for them, and then about the the leadership team role modeling coaching, um, enabling things with simple models. So he is very much a fan of the grow model. I think a lot of people understand the grow model, it's simple to use, it's out there, um, and it, it, it does coach at a simple level which which is really useful Um, and actually how you can continue driving coaching through the organization in all the conversations 
and we talked about you know what does the future hold for coaching and we had little bits of you know how can you get like mini bite-sized technology pieces here to help people understand coaching in the moment a lot more so we had a really um great conversation about coaching because he's so passionate about it that's cool i can't imagine what it'd be like to have a parent who was a coach i mean imagine that coaching culture for families imagine the, the future of future generations where actually coaching parents have got better coaching skills well that's that's a very hot topic at the moment actually you see a lot more um of my coaching colleagues are are delivering workshops for parents to be parents as coaches mm. well interesting and it's something somebody brought up the other day about actually <gasps> you know the the next generation are more used to teachers as coaches parents as coaches and when they get to the workplace if they all of a sudden walk into an autocratic style how it will be too much of a shock to the system so workplaces need to be a little bit more aligned with you know family culture school cultures so that's interesting um i've met brian briefly and he's a really nice guy and and that was a pleasure so moving on to the next article uh this was a, a sports analogy really so what can what can organizations learn about coaching culture from sports clubs so what i particularly love about this article is um about focusing on some startup businesses that had um what determined their success versus their failure potentially and actually it boiled down to culture and there was something called the commitment culture where actually commitment culture is about getting people bought into um, so much more in the organization than what we're here to do it was more again back to the why what's the big picture the commitment culture is about focusing on people a lot more on values on behaviors on talk about um, connecting with um cultural signposts so you know warming to people who are role modeling the culture within an organization it was absolutely the one the organizations the startups that succeeded were those with the commitment culture and they all came back down to focusing on culture rather than being some autocratic um dictatorship this was about focusing on people and getting the best out of people so why do you think people take so much inspiration from the world of sport and apply it to the world of work I think people can, you know, from a very young age, people resonate with sport, you know, even at school, you know, people have a, tend to have a connection with sport. It doesn't mean to say you have to be sporty to have a connection with sport. But I think when people see their, you know, their following, whether it's their football teams or whatever the sport may be, and actually getting under the surface of what's going on to make that team successful, a lot of it is all about the culture, the leadership, um, the role modelling of certain behaviours, the feedback, it, it, it's deeper than this is a team who are kicking a ball around as an example. Yeah, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like a, a, a boiled down reflection of life. It's like the purified winning, losing, you know, teamwork, leadership. It's a bit like um, did the Greeks invent the Olympics to stop them from warring, I think. So like we put these people to they go and play so that we all can relive their winning and their losing and borrow from what their achievements are, aren't they? So mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that like it's hard to not get excited when a team like Leicester goes and wins the Premier League or an underdog story and things like that. Definitely. It'd be interesting. Um, I, I've taken a lot of lessons from certain sports guys. I think it was the British rowing team about how to make the boat go faster and how that philosophy drove, drove what they did. I think there's some other stories that 
uh, I've been knocking about that um, I, I met Sir Chris Hoy absolutely unbelievably inspiring his story um, so yeah I think it's interesting to pick the right role models and yeah. and, and what lessons you can learn and uh, it's, I know a business owner actually who every single meeting is a football analogy we've had some banning from doing football analogies for his meetings because not everybody in there cares about football <laughs> so there's a danger of alienating some people but to some people they love it don't they so I think people can resonate with it they you know are many different people and I think it's you know ultimately we're talking about people we're talking mm. about humans and and actually it's how do you get the best out of people and through that it is about the coaching the, the culture of coaching and all the things the great things we talk about there's probably a lot of lessons uh, to be learned and I think Whereas you'll hear me a lot talk about L&D departments should think more like marketers and actually, yes, the organisational values might be, you know, if you're working, targeting, say you're targeting insurance aimed at middle-aged people, but your workforce are all young people and they relate more to the Kim Kardashians and the football clubs. And actually, I think thinking about the audience of your teams and your organisation, then these things might, these messages might resonate more than what the board's values are and things. So they're quite useful tools to inspire inspire people and i think it's about the storytelling isn't it about actually you know how people resonate emotionally to stories and they can picture them and they connect with them it's, mm. it's real yeah so from barcelona to the british high street spec savers um we always used to wonder what spec savers 2020 vision was we're only a year away but uh, <laughs> um but yeah, ian turner I, I love ian i've um, followed his a commentary on LinkedIn for a while and he's no longer at Spetsavers incidentally but at the time of writing he put this uh, feature together for us and oh my god um, we he's had to big, extend the we, 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 for the first time ever we've gone over four pages and quite rightly so because there's so much in there I mean he's more or less done our job he's told you how to build a coaching culture right he has it's a it's a fantastic well-written article that is written so much from the heart but it also it's not just you know, this is how I feel about stuff. This is actually the practical application and the challenges of driving and delivering a coaching culture. And he breaks it down into simple steps and kind of where do you begin and what are the things that could go wrong. And the article is is fantastic. And his steps are, he, he, he talks about six ways of driving a coaching culture. Um, one, anchoring the cu culture. Two, flipping the coaching role. So finding time to coach um for five minutes here and there. Thinking about technology alongside traditional face-to-face -face coaching, so what does that mean? Um, celebrating and sharing best coaching practice, distinguishing that coach and manager's hat. Um, so actually, you know, when a manager's being a line manager versus when they're in coaching mode, um, and making every opportunity count. So it's all about that in the moment feedback that we hear more and more about every day rather than just waiting for the annual appraisal and then yeah. Being nervous. Well, let's discuss some of those then and get your opinions on that. So, I, I'm quite interested in the idea of um, when to wear the coach hat and when to wear the manager's hat. And the reason why I'm interested in this is because when we talk about coaching culture, we're definitely going beyond, okay, there's a qualified coach in the people development team who can book you in for coaching sessions and in a room mm -hmm. over there you have an hour versus managers having the capability to coach. Now, at the end of the day, 99% of their working day is going to be spent on their core deliverables for their role. So they're not qualified coaches who are thinking all day about coaches, but it's when the opportunity comes up to support a colleague, a team member, 
how do they switch to coach mode and get out of the mode of tell kind of <laughs> and, and i find that Test so interesting management. so yeah so you know beyond spec savers now just what's your thoughts on how capability you know how are managers wearing two hats ten hats whatever well let's just focus on the two i think um i think it's a i think it's an absolute skill but it's it's still down to the skills of caring about your people and believing that they have got more potential within them. Mm-hmm. So the manager may be the, you know, going through tasks and going through specific performance areas, but actually the coach, you can wear it in the same conversation. You know, what, what would you do differently next time? What have you learned from that? You know, what more could you achieve? What more do you want to achieve? Loads of different hats within the same conversation. Um, you know, I'm, I see, I see you can be a coach and a manager wearing the same hat at the same time um, rather than keep putting a different hat on and that could get, you know, that could confuse people. Actually, just think about when you are going through certain performance areas, but you can still coach against against them. Yeah. Um, it's I like think, how you bring out the best in people and, um, and knowing what works for that person as well. I mean, I suppose managers, you know, if you've got good emotional intelligence and high levels of empathy and you can maybe yeah. pick up on the opportunity to coach versus then kind of, there are times legitimately to tell and teach yes. and course correct definitely but you know I, i've been in organizations and actually speaking to some of our members of the community where that they, they know for a fact that the, they've got coaching sessions where so you know it might be taking somebody out of their role for a, a coaching session where basically it's to give them a bollocking on performance oh right yeah. and it, it is i think you know, we might be thinking in our head right now of the great managers, but what about the first-time managers, yeah. supervisors? You know, what? how are these people able to kind of get this coaching skill or get create that as a cultural thing? It's it's tricky, I think. It, it, it is tricky, but it's also doable. So it's about having that one an awareness of what coaching is and what it isn't. Coaching in the right situation. So I love the situational leadership model about, you know, giving direction you're not going to coach somebody who's new on day one by just sort of saying so what do you think your job's going to be <laughs> off you go and you hear the you hear the phrase all the time you can't coach somebody out of a fire you've got to give them direction and show them where the where the, where the door is so um you know it's about i i love the situational leadership model which does include direction it does include coaching support which is an extra version of coaching and then delegation which is actually empowering somebody so I think, I think it is about giving people those basic skills quite early on, particularly those first line managers. Well, this links into our framework in many ways. So yeah. everybody having the capability to coach, but how to have maybe feedback, uh, you know, where it happens naturally and informally. So like you say, maybe it's not a switch in between coach mode and manager mode. It's just a natural understanding, organic feedback happens, coaching happens at the same time, being a manager. Um uh, and and that's that's why our framework exists really it's like how does coaching not just be thought of as this thing that happens with a coach and a coachee it's how does it happen as the part of the fabric of the organization naturally where it can exist not just between managers and teams but between colleagues managing upwards is uh, coaching upwards is very much a possibility i love that and it takes me back to remembering the very first time i identified coaching as a huge fantastic tool to 
go further and it was it was me as a first line manager thinking I needed to know it all um, which is like really old school now but you know thinking I needed to know it all so therefore telling my team you know you need to do this 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 and then suddenly exhausting all ideas and then saying so what do you think what what should we be doing differently and the ideas that came from the team were way better than my ideas and I just remember thinking why didn't I ask that first mm. you know it, it I think it is about feeling it seeing it um, day in day out because actually by asking people great questions they're more likely to get their own brains thinking and they're also going to own the solution more see this is why i'm probably a terrible coach because i do know it all and my ideas are the best so <laughs> no comments <laughs> i'm allowed to say that in a podcast <laughs> but i think uh, I, I like i'm interested in some of the, something else ian's brought up about um celebrating and sharing best practice yeah two reasons one because as a community that's what we want to do we want to celebrate and share best practice take ideas that work for someone companies and spread them out uh, raise awareness with other people about what you could be doing but also because like i've said before i try and teach the lnd and hr department to think more like marketers uh, rather than practitioners and it's like well actually if you want to showcase the great work you're doing so you know, if coaching has had a success story, it's about thinking like a PR person and making sure the board find out, making sure that gets spread. So things like um, modeling, so role modeling a good case study, like here's what a great manager has achieved through coaching practices or um, creating these sort of champions and advocates around the organization. This is how you can spread the, the message. Um, so I, I love Ian's picked up on all the right things. He, you know, he's a smart guy, and I, I can't agree with more with what can't agree any more with what he said. Really, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, so um, back to our community side of things. Really, like we we do aim to showcase these things and share best practice, and that's why exactly why we featured this article. So if there's anybody else who's got a great case study of what they've done in their organisation, feel free to get in touch. We'd love to keep hearing those things. One, um, one of the key points he brings out is this at the, where we've put in um, in the article about creating a coaching mindset where do you start mm. so it's actually uh, you know my belief of a coaching mindset is actually believing that the person you're talking to coaching or not has got way more within them than they may currently be showing or demonstrating and it's not about giving somebody you know you can do more and give them imposter syndrome this is actually about stretching people pushing them and, and really giving them the opportunity to try more and do more yeah and that's the i that's what i love about coaching yeah well it's cool it's a great article and like i say very grateful to ian for that and as we do in every issue we feature a book we have featured um growth mindset by carol dweck and we have featured start with why from simon sinek and this time we chose to feature feel the fear and do it anyway this is i'm going to confess so i don't think i've read it but i do know about eight years ago i listened to i, I don't think it was the audiobook or even a, an abridged version i think it was an interview with the author and i felt like yeah i get it like I could probably read the cover and get it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. What more do I need to know by reading the book? But so what? I guess there's a lot of benefits to this, right? So I'm starting to recognise now in our podcast that actually every time we get to the book review, you're going to confess that you've not ever read it, but you are, you actually have found some snippet in there that you've taken away. I, wa and yeah. I watched the TED talk and that's it. I'm done. You you live you live feel the fear and do it anyway. That is that is your that's how you live, which is uh, really great because you role model this book. Well, that's what I see anyway. But well, shall I tell you what I teach my kid? I, t I teach my kid that being brave is not the absence of fear. It's being able to do it even when you're scared. So 
this to me is just like yeah it, it uh, it's so second nature now i'm scared i'm scared all the time just people don't realize it <laughs> but you but you push you push yourself and you push others in such a way that you know comfort zones are long gone because of your well this is becoming about you here but it's about your growth mindset and expanding your comfort zone which is this is what this book's about and I think you are a role model of growth mindset and feel the fear and do it anyway and you know if anybody wants to speak to you about feeling the fear and doing it anyway then you epitomize this book pushing through fear challenging fear what's the worst that can happen and then there's a point in here that I absolutely love and it's a fact and figure that comes out in coaching sessions all the time because people I'm coaching people a lot through fears 90% of the things we worry about never even happen so people make things up in their own mind they worry about what's going to happen in the future and you know I've had people who are saying I'm not going to do xyz because I don't know what's going to happen in brexit so they're putting their life on hold and you know there's so much that it is feel the fear and do it anyway and then learn from it grow from it what's the worst that can happen well what i the i guess the reason why i get over fear and maybe we should just link this into talking about the fear article so maybe yeah. i'll just explain for everybody listening that when you're planning the magazine and what we should feature and there's sometimes some themes so we might talk about specifically imposter syndrome or specifically mm-hmm. fear so this book was picked because we wanted to talk about fear and you know we're talking particularly around around these ideas and um so so my my take on fear is that as as i understand it i read a lot of anthropology books and it's about how we've evolved and we we are the offspring of the most fearful ancestors because fear was a survival technique if you were scared of the rustling grass you would avoid being beaten by a snake or whatever then we are naturally fearful and it's a survival thing and it serves as well so should we just stay fearful or like what you know i think it's about being aware of it and and challenging yourself to recognize that it's fear and then also um and again this is this is from yourself and um, if somebody else has done it you can do it too and and i know that's like i don't think we're all going to go off and do something crazy but actually if you want it's about setting yourself what is it that you can do and I think a big thing about fear is there's a a point in this book about stop acting like a victim so fear you can hear people blaming everybody else and all the things that have happened around them for their life for their role for their career actually take take responsibility and take ownership and therefore realize that you've got choices so well I've got a, a couple of questions for you then so um we well just before i do i mean what what i've no i do in my own mind is that i just reframe fear i think mm-hmm. that actually okay i'm scared of this but actually i'm more scared of it not happening and and how you know i might take a risk and, I, and to other people it looks risky but to me the bigger risk is not doing it the bigger mm-hmm. risk is to never know and never try so like actually i do things that scare me but it scares me more to not do something and, and that's how i i guess i frame fear and i think that you can see that in organizations there are organizations that are fearless and courageous and they are usually maybe i'm wrong but i think they're a reflection of the founder's personality Mm -hmm. i don't know if organizations who are plcs with a board who are protecting shareholder interests are as risky as some of these sort of startups or or these fearless companies we see and i think that's that's one of our points in the framework is that a lot of this starts with the board and starts with the top level buy in and mm-hmm. is there a, the, the the coaching culture of the organization is is governed by the 
values set by you know the leaders definitely i think that leads on to the fear culture so that while ever the book was very much about individual fear and overcoming your personal fears the you know we've got here this article fear the ultimate culture killer it's the absolute opposite of having a growth mindset and it's actually the vicious circle or vicious cycle of things going wrong and actually then having a blame culture having negativity creativity innovation doesn't happen it's that downward spiral and you know it's about how can you stop that and if it is at the top of the organization which it probably will be starting there then it's actually about how can you um, revert that and it won't happen overnight but it's actually about calling it out recognizing it for what it is and also identifying if there's certain individuals who are driving that well this is what i love about our our magazine articles is that we we don't just try and talk wishy-washy high-level stuff there's always some real practical takeaways tips and tricks and i think that you know spotting the signs of fear because we could talk all day about fear but actually how how do you spot the sign of it the bit that i love where it's you know about covering techniques and what what we would normally call arse covering you know <laughs> you use people sending each other emails to make sure there's an audit trail of who said yep. what and when and all that sort of yep. stuff and then instantly when i think you know i think do i have i worked in places with a fear culture and i think oh, that's hard to say but when i think about some of this fear of being wrong fear of and and all these ways fears manifest itself and this is my question too really like what what are the fears because i i hear a fear of success is that even a real thing and fear of failure and then and fear of what losing your job fear of being wrong fear of, like what i think from a psychology perspective and certainly in coaching i experience fear a lot um, and often it is, again, deep-rooted in backgrounds of individuals, whether that's fear of um, fear of loss, fear of losing their job, fear of, you know, I didn't have much as a child and now I've achieved this and actually I, I can't lose it, as opposed to what more could I achieve or what more could I be? So I think fear is a really fascinating topic, and you are right, there is fear of success and fear of failure, and a lot of it is as we grow into adults, start worrying about what other people think. Are we going to let ourselves down? Are we going to let other people down? What do they, th- you know, it's that saving face kind of thing. Mm. Well, seeing as that we've said it a few times, it's a little shameless plug for our software that we provide, which allows people to get online coaching. We've got a couple of modules coming up on fear of success and mm-hmm. fear of failure, which people can roll out to the organization to overcome these things. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do find this so interesting, you know, like what can organisations do about it? You know, what would you do as a coach to overcome these things? Because I, I mean, I think that the strongest fear in the world that most people don't talk about, the emotion that drives a lot of our behaviour is fear of embarrassment. And yes. like the, that's when you ask people to remember their good in their life, they don't, but remember a time when they were embarrassed is so easy to recall. It's such a strong emotion. And I think that's most of the, what, what drives us in the workplace is this fear of, the political you know nonsense of you made a mistake and and dealing with those consequences and i think um back in the welcome issue we talk about um limiting beliefs and fear is a limiting belief it's a belief that you know fear of failure fear of success i'm it's a belief that's holding me back and it may be from my my childhood it may be from my teens it may be from one example of um you know a line manager in my early career as an example so therefore it can that becomes a deep-rooted belief in your own psychological makeup and and therefore you carry it around with you for myself i remember being publicly embarrassed about doing a 
um, a public speaking. Mm. Um, the way I was introduced on stage was awful, and forever since I've not wanted to do any stage talking. Surprised you still do podcasts after the way that I uh, introduce well, you sometimes. Yeah, well, that's fine. I've got <laughs> <Well>, used to that. <laughs> I, I, I just say on fear because. I mean, this is kind of going back to the field of fear and do it anyway, and and, and the book and and what I understand fear to be that actually it's it served its purpose. It's a survival technique. It has a legitimate reason for being there, and we shouldn't ignore it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. It's kind of like recognize when it happens. Yeah, the, the absence of fear would mean that you're a bit of a psychopath. Whereas that the feeling fear is a natural, normal yes. thing, and actually is based on legitimate lessons from life. You know, don't walk down that dark alleyway because of you know there's legit reasons to be scared of that but right. there's a difference between fear of survival and fear of doing a public talk and that's where i think the brain gets confused between we've only evolved to understand survival we've never had to deal with as many decisions i mean i genuinely know people who are scared to choose the wrong sandwich for their dinner because they're scared of what they might have missed out and it's is madness that our brain treats decisions the way that they do life and death decisions yeah okay <laughs> that could be another podcast altogether definitely how to pick a sandwich how to pick your sandwich so we talked about uh, amy brander's her piece where it's always linked to neuroscience and a particular one here which i know you will love because it's about positive attitude and i'll probably kind of pull a face so <laughs> she talks a lot about how what emotions are contagious and positive um, workplaces always good I love the, the the phrase she uses, and it's been repeated back to me since um, since issue three was published. Emotional contagion. So actually, how emotions within a team are contagious, and that is that is positive and negative. So that's the when you know people are feeling happy and demonstrating positive behaviours, whether that's through their language, their body language. Actually, it can be caught. And actually, on the other side, you've heard of the mood hoover, who actually, when they're not feeling so positive, they can drain the mood in the team and have that downward spiral. So this article is really good to think about how to get that positive, um, successful team working through positive um, emotions. Um, and she particularly focuses on things like kindness and gratitude, creating a positive cycle, um, because actually, you know, our brain loves to um, recognise um, kindness and positivity and the, the pleasant working environment that that brings with it driving a culture of gratitude and saying thank you to people more often so we've done a little bit of stroking my ego saying how fearless i am and growth mindset we may as well Do bring mind. me back down to if i talk about what a moody person i am and <laughs> quite often i can influence the mood of the whole team by you know what side of the bed i woke up on but i think that you know, being honest, I know myself when I'm in a positive mood, things are going well. Mm -hmm. And when I'm thinking, not, not necessarily thinking negative, but I'm not necessarily, well, no, I, something's wound me up and I'm yeah. letting it eat away at me and I make silly mistakes, even forget my keys, whatever, that, those sorts of things. It's just, it's never good. Your brain doesn't work right when you're in a negative mood, does it? No. Um, and it, li it limits all the positive things. It limits creativity. Um, you can't think straight. Um, this is just taking me back to... Um, the uh, what was it? The Family Guy. Uh... Simpsons. Family no, Guy. You're happy and you know it. Clap your hands. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Well, there was probably a certain scene that we can't really share and represent our company, but yeah, it's it's kind of a bit like me and you, isn't it? You're very. I don't want to say happy, clappy, as though it's a bad word, a bad thing, but it's um, you're much more 
positive advocate than I am. Whereas I guess I'm just, I feel like I'm pragmatic and I'm practical and sometimes it's okay to not be positive about everything. But I don't know. Um, I, I agree with what Amy's saying. The emotions are contagious and it's definitely worth thinking about for leaders, for managers, uh, from an organizational level. Imagine an organization that's firing on all cylinders, creative, celebrating wins, everyone's happy versus places where, you know, literally they shut down because what? Everybody's scared of what's coming. That that fear is contagious. And, you know, for legit reasons, organizations go through change. It's scary, but being conscious of it allows you to maybe think about, is this bringing out the best? Is this is this letting us see the opportunities to, to grow, to, to maybe like say opportunities to overcome the problems and challenges. So and you can train your brain to be positive. So you can train it, you know, you can train to, if you're feeling a negative thought. So actually if you're conscious of it and aware of it, then actually think three positive thoughts, think what's good about the world, think what you're grateful for. Think you can train your brain to feel and be more positive. And and I think it's about encouraging people to be aware of when they're feeling negative or where, when they're feeling, you know, the world's against them, actually, what can they be positive about? And I, you know, I use that kind of thing in coaching all the time. Um, you know, how can, it's about reframing. Yeah. And well, I think you're right. Gratitude is the cure for sort of negative thinking. And we talked last time a lot about journaling and I think gratitude journaling is one of those secret weapons that really can transform the way that you think and shift your mood or getting out into nature, going for a walk, you know, taking a bit of a break. Um, all these little well-being tricks and tips are probably the right thing. Um, but I think, um, yeah, from from, uh, from an organisation's point of view, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there and um, there's a lot of good stuff that we're sharing in coaching culture coming up around that. So moving on to uh, the industry insights. And I feel like... Um, you know, we have all these personal biases. We have all these things that we expect to see in the world, whereas data cuts through all that and allows you to sort of see the real science behind it. And, you know, reading through this, there's a lot to take from it. Um, I think this is brilliant. And I think we can actually um, do more articles on the future issues of coaching culture because this is all about transformation in organisations and it's back to the culture a winning culture puts people at the heart of the business we've gone from we're just there to get a paycheck and actually we want to connect deeper with the purpose of the organization which we've talked about before satisfaction so i just want to clarify this is from a study and this is a report that was put out as a Gallup Gallup. report so this this was what people want out of their role this Mm -hmm. isn't our um sort of opinion piece this is the uh, facts yeah this is facts and from a gallup survey um get the best out of your people to get the best out of your business so i suppose it's kind of we're we're preaching to the converted though right we're most people everybody in our audience knows this we're talking to people directors hr directors l and d we're talking so they get so should we be talking now about how do we spread this message in the company how do you get buy-in how do you get managers to recognize the value of people share this sort of data right people should take this we should produce these as little pdf infographics and share them with our community and they can use these resources to influence their organizations to buy into what we all already know i suppose definitely because this is this is about driving the culture from old the old to the new you know the way of working in the old days as it were that that's gone you Mm. know we're 
new employees coming into the workplace expect so much more than maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And here we've got an example, boss versus coach. I want a coach, I want somebody to develop me. I want somebody to connect with, um, you know, connect with me deeper. Um, and then strengths versus weaknesses, you know, it, it sounds obvious. Coaching conversations versus annual reviews. It's all moving in the right direction for, you know, driving a coaching culture is what is expected um, more and more through organizations and by the employees. So it's actually how people go about it. And obviously we're here to help people do that. It's incredible, isn't it? That, you know, in the past, the the organizations that won, you know, were the ones that invested into their people, yeah. developed skills, capabilities, gave these careers. Whereas now or the future, it does seem to be the organizations that will win are the ones that recognize how to coach their employees. There, there are so many issues in the workplace now that are, related to mindset they are absolutely not fixed by more training you know you're not getting over imposter syndrome or um, fear or all the things that we talk a lot about they're absolutely traps of mindset which need coaching skills and this is this is going to be what the next five ten years of the world of organizational development is is going to massively shift towards coaching absolutely well we've seen it already we're seeing it day in day out now um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's just going to grow and grow even more, which is which is a good thing. And it's a good you know it's it's encouraging to know that workplaces today are going to be even more progressive in the future through through people being at the heart of them. Cool. So before we wrap up, we may as well just jump back to the bit that we featured mindset. We featured our software in this magazine. Mm -hmm. And that's because we've put out this framework where we suggest from what we've studied, what we see as best practice, and here's the, you know, the five things that will help you implement a coaching culture. One of the things that people struggle with the most is, is giving access to everyone. So how do you give coaching to everybody? Well, it's quite time consuming. It's quite expensive. It usually is bottlenecked by the few people in the organization who are able to coach. Everybody I speak to is a qualified coach in training, say that they, um, they struggle to meet the demand or they struggle to make time for it because they're busy with all the other initiatives they've got going on. So actually it's it's difficult to offer coaching to everybody in the company. So we've come up with this software, which we call Mindset, which um, it allows you to give coaching to everybody in the organization. And that's the amazing uh, ability of digital. It's affordable, it's accessible. So we, we featured this and that's because we, we launched a version in uh, quite a while ago now. It was May 2018. We launched a version of our software. It was really good. Um, we got lots of feedback, but we recognized that it could be better. So we took the best bits and kept those. We got rid of the stuff that wasn't great and we added in the missing bits and we've now launched version two. So this was a bit of a showcase of version two right absolutely and i you know i'm kind of really proud of, of this because it feels that we are you know we're so passionate about driving the coaching culture out there and, and bringing the framework to life this is just one of the solutions that we can support people with and um, to help them drive a coaching culture so really proud that you know we be we are amongst many other people beating the drum of how important having a coaching culture is yeah and i think you know this obviously is we've no desire to turn this into a sales pitch but it's very much interesting and topical to tell people about how our solution works in the sense that rolling out psychometric tests to raise people's self-awareness um, 
which you know we've talked about that being the silver bullet and, and of the organize you know organizational success is we can raise self awareness through psychometric tests and profiling. Um, online coaching exercises that allow people to shift their yeah. perspective, all the things that you would do in a coaching session uh-huh. about things like, um, you know, timelines or boardrooms or uh, d- different exercises which will help people to see things from another perspective and angle and, and goal setting, accountability, journaling, all those things that we talk about as what a coach can do. We, we've, well, this is a combination of me and you really. I'm a tech guy, you're a coach, and we've sort of combined the two and said, how can we make a, a tech? The coaching tech solution and it's it's going really well uh, it covers these subjects that we talked about the fear of success fear of failure but also many more um so yeah it, it's it, it's it's nice to have featured it in the magazine we've had such a good response and it's it's available now for those you know you're probably aware you've most likely got this podcast from our uh, uh, members area of the community website so you're probably able to find the solutions on there and check it out so, but but other than that, um, there's not much more we can say. You, you're in other than you're entitled to a free demo. So rather than us talk about it, we'll just rather show you. Um, but yeah, that that's like I say, it was it was featured and it was well received. I think it's the thing that's been missing, Adam. It's it's um, this is about coaching makes such a difference. It's so impactful. It can change lives. The more and more people who get the benefit from coaching through driving a coaching culture the better and this is this is how important you know this is just one of those things that can enable that well i completely agree and that probably is a good time for us to wrap up so what until next time um we issue four is due soon there'll be a new podcast and we look forward to uh, hearing you then by the way we obviously go around the world promoting feedback we would love your feedback if you've got anything positive negative anything you think we can improve uh, please, please, please do share it. So look forward to hearing from you. If not, um, hope to catch you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. <music>